So you got to ask yourself, uh, uh, am I liking this? Am I enjoying this? And if you are, then there's a chance that it'll find an audience elsewhere. We're all the same. I'm Bill Small. And I'm Miles Hansen. Welcome to The Subtle Art of Not Yelling, a weekly podcast for creatives about the creative process. Learn how to finish what you start, ship your work, and build a business without being the loudest on the block. Less Less noise, noise, more... (sighs) Today we talk to renowned copywriter... Polaroid camera enthusiast and founder of VeryGoodCopy.com, Eddie Schlainer. Do you do a lot of podcast guest appearance, Eddie? Not really, actually. It's not a very natural um, thing for me. I think, yeah. you know, I, I, uh, I prefer sitting down and, and thinking through things. And the thing about podcasts, which is, which is nerve wracking for me, is that, you know, it's like you get asked a question and then it's like whatever comes up comes out. And then that's just kind of like out there. Um, and like I was, I was on a client call the other day and he was like, yeah, you know, I listened to three or four hours of, of uh, podcasts with you. And, and um, I was like, Oh, like, you're like, like, God, I'm sorry. Why would you do that? Yeah, I, was like, what? I was like, which ones? Like it was so, uh, oh. it was so unsettling because you just don't know. I don't know what I've, you know, I don't know what's out there necessarily. So, I don't, oh, yeah. I don't have a lot of like, uh, I don't have a lot of appearances, but um, that's more so by design. I'd, I'd rather just write and be thoughtful. And... He wasn't uh, firing you at the time, was he? He wasn't. Was no, he was hiring me. So, uh, <laughs> so I guess you did okay. Whatever you said was all right. Yeah. <laughs> it, was, it was fine, but it was like, um, yeah, it was, uh, I don't know. It's just, it's not my natural, it's not my natural state. I think people expect me to talk the way that I write, you know, concise but that is absolutely not how it goes i, I okay good because i actually don't want you to talk like that that would be weird um, <laughs> but i do wonder and I, I love that you've already distinguished this difference between how you talk and how you you know communicate verbally with people and have conversations and how you write and i would assume that that has something to do with how you ended up being a copywriter for a living um, you know, how did that happen? How does one actually either decide to or end up uh, doing that for for a job? It was an accidental thing. I uh, I was an English major in in college. I studied literature, and uh, that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to write uh, books, and novels, and short stories. Um, and when I graduated from college, I realized that. You, you can't make, you can't just fall into that, you know, that you can't make a living at that right away. I needed a real job. So I went, I got a job in sales at first. I really just wanted to live in the city with my buddies. And so I, I got a job in sales and I did that for a year. It was inside sales, cold calling, account management as well. So, you know, I was, you know, I was, I was, uh, selling over the phone and, um, it just wasn't for me. I didn't like, I didn't like that work at all. Um, Mainly because I didn't really know what I was what I was doing. You know, I I I didn't really understand what it meant to to sell. Um, I didn't know what sales was at, at the time. I had some sales jobs in the past, but uh, you know, not at that level. So I just wasn't ready for it, and 
I desperately wanted to get out and write for a living. And I had a buddy that was working at career builder, um, which is a job board website. And, uh, they had a new department, uh, that was opening up. It was the job description optimization department. Basically I would take on, uh, you know, job ads from big companies and rewrite them to make them more digestible and, and, uh, get people to click. And when I realized that my worth was really measured by how often I can get people to click on the ad and apply, um, you know, I, I realized that I was doing something called direct response copywriting. And that's when I went down the rabbit hole and I became really fascinated with the idea of, of writing for a living. Um, and, uh, and actually, actually, you know, make, making money as a, as a writer, because I, I didn't know anything about copywriting before that. I didn't know anything about marketing. Um, so I went down that rabbit hole and, and, uh, that's how it started. That's how it started. It started when, there. When you were down the rabbit hole, mm -hmm. um, where did you go to find out, you know, okay. Cause here you are, you, you have this little experience saying, all right, I'm writing these things and it's getting people to apply for jobs. How do I take that to the next step? You find out you're doing copywriting. Where did you go to learn more and to, to get to that next step? Well, I started reading a guy named Gary Halbert, um, who was uh, the copywriter's copywriter. I mean, he would, he, you know, if you type in copywriting, you're going to, you're going to get, you're going to get a lot of Gary's work. And he had a, he had a newsletter that I devoured. He had a book called the Boron Letters that I devoured. And um, to answer your question, you know, how do you get better? I mean, a lot of my writing was very flowery at the time, you know, as an English major, I was studying, um, I was studying books that, that weren't necessarily concise. And Gary Halbert's work really, uh, uh, really imparted to me the fact that, that you had to write concisely. You couldn't, you couldn't write like a, like a fire hose. You had to, you had to be a nail gun kind of thing. So, um, that's where it started is just me trying to ruthlessly like edit my work, ruthlessly just try to cut down my sentences. Um, and once I did that, it became, uh, more clear. And once it became clear and concise, then, then, uh, um, you know, the, the, the ads started to convert better. It's kind of like, I, I have a kid and I got some advice early on that was like, Hey, if, if he's crying, you got to see if they're tired or if they're hungry, you know, it's one of those two things. If it's one of those, you know, if take care, take care of those, uh, those two issues and it'll probably solve the problem. And in copywriting, it's very similar. If you want to like boil it down, make it easy for yourself, just ask yourself, is this concise? Is this as concise as possible? Is this as clear as possible? Uh, and in direct marketing and direct response copywriting, uh, if you can answer those two questions, uh, then then usually uh, they'll they'll solve a lot of your problems. Oh man! And you can ask yourself: Is the reader tired or hungry? Right? Because that probably applies. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, that's that's a good point, Miles. Because it's like if it's it, you know you got to ask yourself: Is this interesting? Like, is what I'm mm. writing interesting to me? Is what I'm writing um, compelling to me? Because mm. if it doesn't move the writer, it's not going to move the reader, right? If it doesn't bring, you know, tears or whatever that saying is, doesn't doesn't bring tears to the writer, it's not going to bring tears to the reader. So you got to ask yourself, uh, uh, am I liking this? Am I enjoying this? And if you are, then there's a chance that it'll find an audience elsewhere. 
we're all the same. You just made my head explode in a different direction because I, I, I'm, I'm hearing you talk about, does it move you? And I've been writing songs for a really long time. And it's the same thing. You know, like if, if I'm not moved by it, or let's say I'm performing and there's some moment where I get moved, then I know I moved the room. I moved the audience. How much of your work do you feel like is art and how much is science? Or is it all so put together that it's hard to, to, to unpack that? It is put together at this point, but I'll do my best. Um, when I write these, these little articles on my site for my blog and newsletter, um, they basically have three elements to them. There's like a, I try to find a story or a narrative and then I have a lesson, so some sort of principle or technique about copywriting or creativity. And then um, uh, a word count. So there's these three elements, the story, the lesson, and the word count. And my job, I feel like, you know, the puzzle that I'm trying to solve for is how do I, how do I put these things together? How do I bridge this story and this, and this lesson in X amount of words? Um, and so that's like the, the science part, I guess, you know? Yeah. There's a structure, there's a science. Yeah. And then inside is the, is the art. And then inside is the art. Yeah. The, the art usually lies in, um, in the narrative piece. You know, if, 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 uh, if I come into some kind of, uh, experience or if I read something or, or listen to something on a podcast or, uh, if I overhear you know, a story from somebody else where I get a lot of my material, my friends and people that I know telling me things that, that have happened to them. Um, you know, if I, if I, uh, if I find something compelling, um, then I think it's, I think it's, it's an artistic act to try to put that into, into words. So th those are the two, I guess those are the two, uh, that's how, that's how I kind of, um, think about those two things, you know, the art and science of it. It's so cool. So um, I'd love to kind of keep the ball rolling with, okay, so you jumped into copywriting um, and I, I'm assuming somewhere in there it was uh, just a lot of practice, like just <laughs> writing because you're in, you're in a, a job, you're, you still have a job at some point in the past and then you, you know, eventually it, you go out and you start your blog and newsletter. Like what was the, the, um, the timeline of all, how all that unfolded? Yeah. I mean, the blog was a consequence of really just trying to like teach myself the discipline. Um, cause like I said, I didn't know anything about copywriting or marketing when I started, they hired me on the back of my English degree. You know, they were like, Oh, this, you know, this is a new, it was a new department. I was a contractor, you know, I didn't have insurance or anything. They were just like, let's get this kid in here to, to write these things. They, they weren't even thinking about it, I think, the way that I was, you know. They weren't thinking about it as direct response. They were just thinking about it as, um, uh, you know, we're going to get somebody to clean up this this job ad that this very busy hiring manager put together. So it's going to be neat and clean. It's going to be kind of built for our, our uh, algorithm, our internal algorithm, so that people, you know, it rises to the top. That's how they were thinking about it. Um, and the more I dug into uh, copywriting and, and direct response copywriting specifically, uh, you know, the more insights I came into. And I thought, hey, if I can put this this lesson, this insight, this technique, this principle, what have you, into a clear and concise 
uh, article and write about it, then I'm probably ready to use it in my own promotions. And so that's how the um, that's how the blog started. It was really just a, a running list of like 50 of these little articles in a Google Doc that were just there for my own education. And when I showed them to, to someone, they were like, oh, you should put these online and see what happens. And, and so that's how the blog started. Um, Self-serving. I love that. Yeah, that was that was the evolution of that, I guess. That's great. Yeah, I love when it's like something that comes up naturally and organically. It's self-serving, and then, oh, this is already in existence. It can help a lot of other people. Why don't I put this out there? That's really cool. Yes. And so, what's what's it been like growing that? Um, when did that start? I know you, it says you've been a copywriter for ten years. So mm-hmm. when did uh, when did you start the blog and newsletter, and, and how's that been going? Yeah, the well. First of all, you asked how, how all of this was. It's very strange. This is all very, very strange to me. The fact that the people are, are reading these things, the, the fact that uh, uh, they're getting something out of it, it's a very strange thing that's happened in my life. So um, I'm very grateful for it, but I'm, I'm, always, um, I'm always reminding myself that this was all kind of like a, a big accident and uh, um, it was never really even like meant, meant to happen. It was really just me trying to, like I said, teach, my, teach myself. So in or, in the order that you asked it, that, you know, that, that first point has been very strange. Um, but, uh, well, sorry, Miles, what was the second? And then, yeah. When did you start that? Like how long has that, that been? Cause you've grown it. I mean, just to be like, I'm truly curious to, to kind of learn like how that, that journey's been. You have, it says on your website at, I'm not sure what the exact number is, but 52,000 subscribers to your, you know, newsletter and, and, and blog ultimately. Um, I guess, you know, I'm curious to see the journey, how long it's taken, what, what you've done to grow that it's, it's fascinating. Well, so yeah, it started in 2014 that I started writing these things. Um, I graduated college in 2010 and then I worked, you know, 2011 to 2012 um, in sales. And then, yeah, around like 2012, 2013 is when I got my first writing gig. So about 2014, I think, is when the when I actually bought the, the domain. Mm-hmm. And um, very good, very good copy. Yes. Dot yeah. com. Um, nice. So that's when I that's when I bought it, I think. And then um, it was it was just kind of like a a side project for me. I, I don't know. I was, you know, I was still, I still didn't really know what I was doing back then. So I was, it was a very much a side project for me. I was kind of updating it and posting when I felt like it or when inspiration struck. Um, it wasn't until I got a job at G2, um, g2.com that, uh, I started pursuing the growth of the blog in earnest, I think, because I got so much, um, support from my team there. Um, again, just an extremely lucky thing that happened in my life is that I got, I got hired there on the back of very good copy, I think, um, when it was still in its kind of infancy and, uh, everybody there was just so, so supportive and encouraging um, that I became, and I, and I also worked with some amazing growth marketers there. Um, dear friends to this day, Adam Goyette, 
who was my manager at the time. He was the VP of marketing, just a brilliant growth mind. Um, Jesse Rowe, uh, another just really like a exceptional growth marketer who taught me how to spread um, my work around the internet, uh, which is half the which is half the job here. I think you know it's like how, you got to write the stuff first. It's got to be all right. People got to like reading it, but then how do you disseminate it? And how do you make sure that um, it's getting around efficiently? Well, how did you disseminate it and get it around efficiently? Well, I created a growth loop from LinkedIn, um, from LinkedIn to my website, to my newsletter, um, where basically they all fed each other. And um, yeah, the way I would do that is I, was, I would write an article and I would post it on my, on my blog on verygoodcopy.com. And then I would take that article and I would post the same copy into a LinkedIn post. Um, and then I would take that same copy and I would send it out in a newsletter. And then at the bottom of the newsletter, I had a CTA, a call to action that said, hey, if you liked reading this, you know, so you can support it on LinkedIn with a comment or a like. And then I would transfer my audience from my newsletter to LinkedIn that way. Um, and so there would be this big influx of people liking and commenting all within a few minutes. Uh, and that would kind of like trip up the algorithm and, and they'd be like, oh, this, you know, this post is uh, getting a lot of attention. We should, you know, we should show it to more people. And then uh, more people would come on the back of the algorithm and on the back of like all the people that were liking and commenting, you know, it shows it to their audience as well. So all these new people would come to the post and then in the comments, section, I would say, Hey, if you like this, go to my website. There's like hundreds of other articles there, you know, that you could read. So all those people go to the website and the website is really designed to get people to subscribe. That's the goal of the website. I mean, I would say 95% of the CTAs on the website are to subscribe. So then new people would get into the newsletter and it would just be this virtuous cycle of people going from the new, from LinkedIn to the website, to the newsletter, and then back to LinkedIn where they um, uh, engage with the post and amplify the post. That's so cool. It's, it seems so simple. It is just a, <laughs> is a, a growth loop. I love that. <laughs> it is very and simple. And then, and then probably, probably a lot of just consistent writing. I mean, was it like a weekly practice? Was it, was it like a, uh, dis very disciplined practice that you, you know, planned out and stuck to for years? Or was it like an ex just kind of a spontaneous, let's just, this seems to be working, I guess I'll do another one? No, it was very much the former. I mean, after, you know, I think, I think it was, hey, this seems to be working, I'll do another one for a few years there in the beginning, before I really, um, yeah, before, before I, I, I really got all that encouragement from folks. And before I realized, you know, what the potential of it was. Um, but then, after G2 and after I said, you know, I, you know, I'm going to set up myself a, you know, a goal. Then it was, it was certainly, um, um, yeah, it was a lot of practice. It was a lot of consistency. And I think that's the work. The growth loop part is the easy part. I think that's, that's a tactical thing that, um, is very simple to do and, uh, you know, becomes very repeatable. But, uh, I think, the work and, and the effort of showing up every day and like putting in my, like my writing hours in the morning and just, just constantly looking for things to write about and, 
you know, making that a part of my lifestyle. I think that was the hard part. So. Yeah. Do you, um, did you, while you were building that habit or do you now, do you struggle with that ever? With the habit of showing up? Yeah. Yeah. Of, of the, you know, putting in that writing time consistently. I, I don't think so. Now I think I, I struggle more when I don't do it. I feel like avoid most. Yeah, that's great. Um, it's become more of a, like, I'm sure you understand, Bill, like with music, you know, as a musician, you feel like you just got to sit down and play some notes. I, my dad was a musician, you know, he played the trumpet and played the, the piano. And uh, he would just, he would, there would be times where I, he'd be like, I got to sit down, you know, I got to play. He would verbalize that, say it out loud. So I think I feel the same way. Wow. It becomes like, it seems like you almost made it a part of you something you need, like you built a need inside of your system, which is like a very positive thing because then it's like you need to brush your teeth. You, you need to shower. Like we learned that at a young age and now you need to write. That's really cool. I like that, well, that it's, uh, perspective. Definitely. It's it's a therapeutic thing, I think. Um, it's like a mental health thing mm -hmm. at some point. Um, you know, some people they go and work out, they go on runs. I do those things too, by the way, they help kind of keep me even, keep me balanced. Um, but writing is very much in that, in that same camp, I think. Um, yeah. I was going to ask if you have any other things like that. Cause when you were talking about the need, yeah, I totally uh, can relate that to music, but it, I can also relate it to my meditation practice. Mm -hmm. When I don't do that, especially if I don't do it for more than say a day, I mean, I can skip a day, but if I skip more than a day or so, I really notice. And I'm like, nope, I got to do it. Um, yeah. How, how, do, how, uh, how, often do you, how often do you meditate then? You said every other day? No, daily, you know, but, but occasionally I skip or I'll take a Saturday off because I, you know, my schedule's different. You know, I'm not taking the kid to school, so. Right, right. Um, yeah, it's, it, you know, I, working out has become a big thing for me, uh, recently, like weightlifting, I guess. Um, before that it was running. I was a little obsessed with running. Um, I recently had a, a, a kid, me and my wife had a, um, a baby. He's, he's 18 months now. So I guess he's a toddler. Awesome. Uh, so well, thank you very much. He's, he's the, our pride and joy. And he's definitely, uh, um, you know, he's definitely a big part of our, of my, <laughs> I guess like my, my mental health routine as well. I, I have to spend time with him and I have to, um, I have to be around him as well. So, um, there's definitely been a lot of priority shifts and lifestyle shifts since he's, uh, since he's been born, obviously. So. Oh yeah. Mine's 11. So I get it. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. It's a little older. I, you know, I can't even like fathom. He's saying little things now. He's saying words. He's putting together like two words at a time now, but I can't even fathom, you know, like you're having conversations with your kid, Bill, right? Like you're, you guys are talking and you know, he's 11. I can't fathom that. I cannot fathom. Yeah. It's getting them to stop talking. That's the hard part. You know, getting them to start <laughs> is not a big deal. It's getting them to stop. <laughs> Well, you, you know what, what's been interesting is um, uh, I think kids really make you like stop and notice things that at least that's that's what I've that's what I've uh, come to understand is that 
I become, I begin to kind of live vicariously through him and see the world through his lens and little things that he does, um, are big deal to me. You know, they're not really a big deal to him, maybe necessarily. Like he doesn't really recognize it. They're not a big deal to strangers. It's not their kid, but to me, it's a big deal, you know? And, and it's like noticing those things and like time kind of slows down and that moment is just there. And it's very important to me. It's very special to me. And uh, there's a lot of parallels between that and writing and being a copywriter specifically, because copywriting is all about moments. And it's all about um, just these, these little slices of life that if you can impart those things to people and you can remind people of them um, and generate a feeling that way and connect that feeling to a product, um, then that's how, that's how you compel people and sell people on things. So it's been, um, that's been very interesting to me as well just seeing that, uh, that overlap. Oh, that's really cool. I love how you just, um, you figured out how to feel your writing even more with this new person in your life. That's fantastic. Yes. It's, uh, it's been a wonderful, it's been a wonderful thing. So in many, many ways, in many ways. So, yeah. Wow. That's amazing. Um, not there yet can't relate in that way but <laughs> but it's cool to hear and I think there's a lot of nuggets in there that, that I'm gonna remember um actually miles more are, than likely you won't remember any of that when the, it actually happens. yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but we'll remind you right. you know I, I, as long as we're talking about kids I I um I wrote about this a little while ago where I would um I would I would start getting up and instead of writing like my morning pages, like I would have like a 15, 20 minute session before my son was born where I would just kind of like write whatever, whatever came up, came out, you know, just to kind of like warm up. And now uh, I've started um, writing to Bo, you know, just like telling him about what he did the day before, telling him about, um, you know, his mom or telling him about some sort of life lessons, you know, something. Um, and I've realized that writing to him has kind of like honed this, muscle where, um, you know, you're supposed to write to one person, you're supposed to write to an individual. Um, even though you're writing to the masses as a copywriter, you should be at the same time writing to uh, one person because um, it's just so much more impactful that way. And so it's it's really helped me uh, as, as a writer, as a copywriter, um, writing to Bo because now when I sit down to write an ad, it's become easier to uh, channel one person, you know, channel yeah. my target audience that way. Oh, that's cool. Wow. Didn't think At what that. point during the growth of your newsletter did you realize, oh yeah, this is really, this is really something like I, you know, like it, it went, it had to have some point just tipped over where, where you're like, okay, this is where I need to put all my attention. <laughs> I think when people started at, uh, offering me money to sponsor it. <laughs> Fair enough. That, <laughs> that seems like a good moment. <laughs> that was a real trip. I was like, okay, you want me to put this link and this banner in here and, and, uh, you know, you'll, uh, you'll pay for groceries. That's great. But it, it's been, um, and that's, that's, that's grown steadily. So I think, it was at that point where I began to uh, really consider it as, you know, look at it as a business and, and think of make, um, make decisions from a, a business standpoint, I guess. Yeah. And, yeah. 
And then I'm assuming just from looking at your website and a couple of things you've said that you still do, uh, you still work with, do client work and things like mm-hmm. that as well. Yes. Yeah. So I'll, I'll take on, um, I'll take on clients. Uh, but you know, the, the newsletter has really, it really does take up a, a good amount of, you know, mental bandwidth and, um, you know, a good amount of energy. So, uh, um, I, you know, I, it's not a, it's, I wouldn't say client work is, is a, a, a main focus of mine. Um, I'm, I think I'm, you know, uh, I think I'm transitioning more into trying to productize, uh, the brand and, and create courses and create, um, educational products, um, that, uh, that, that help people do what I do, you know, instead of necessarily do, doing it for them. Is overwhelming. We're constantly being pulled in a million directions, and it's only going to get worse. So much of what we're sold online is about planning, strategizing, and thinking. But doing is the hardest and most important part. The box is where projects get finished. In the box, you'll organize, prioritize your projects, and finish what you start. You won't learn anything new. You'll simply get a lot done and be a part of a small community of doers. Go to theboxworkshop.com. I, I know you just released a course and I want to ask you about it, but you said that you kind of started your writing journey thinking about writing, you know, novels, short stories, etc. Is that something you ever think about or toy with going back to? Yeah, totally. I mean, I, you know, I, I'd be lying if I said I didn't have short stories that I'm I'm working on right now, and novels are intense. I don't know if I'm I don't know if I want to tackle a novel at the moment, but but certainly um, certainly short stories and and vignettes and um, you know that's a that's a goal and an aspiration of mine to to release an anthology of of uh, that type of work, um, especially vignettes. I, I I took a class in college on vignettes and. Um, it was just amazing. Uh, it totally changed my life because I, because it was um, it was a you know it was a totally new way to to write and tell stories. You know, it didn't need a narrative structure. It didn't need a beginning, a middle, and an end. It just you just needed to um, tell people about a moment in time. And uh, I found that really fascinating. And um, what's interesting is that a lot of these little articles, these micro articles on on very good copy. Are are written uh, like vignettes, you know. That's kind of yeah. How the minute you said that, I was like, oh, I think you learned how to copyright in that class. <laughs> it was a it was a huge part. I think more copywriters yeah. need to uh, to learn um, about vignettes and learn how to write vignettes because that's a it's a big part of the work. It's a it's a I think it's a um, it's a new way of thinking about it for for a lot of folks. Uh, but really that, that, that's how I've always thought about it. I've always thought about ads as moments in time, as, um, glimpses, slices of life. And, uh, yeah, if you can, if you can impart that moment in time and, and, and transport people into it, uh, then it's much more likely they'll, they'll have that feeling and connect that feeling to whatever it is you're trying to sell or promote. I never realized that copywriting and songwriting were so similar. 
But what you just said is exactly the way I think about songs. Mm. It's a moment in time. The whole idea is to bring somebody into that moment in time and have them feel something. Now, what is a vignette? I'm, I'm asking for a friend. I, of course, know. But uh, <laughs> I think I've figured it out, but I want to know the, the definition. You, I don't know if I have the, the Webster's definition. Your, your definition. But it's, it's, it's uh, you know, usually stories have a narrative structure. Usually stories have a beginning and a middle and an end. Um, usually stories have some sort of uh, uh, a character that has a problem that needs to overcome that problem. Vignettes don't necessarily need to be structured that way. They're, they don't necessarily need to have a beginning and a, and a middle and an end. Um, they really are just uh, uh, moments in time. You know, like what I like to do is I like to take a picture with a, um, a Polaroid like this one. I have this Polaroid camera. I love a good Polaroid. Nice. I love this thing because I take a picture and, um, you know, you can't contrive a Polaroid. It's like you can take 15 selfies, you know, uh, and pick the best one, or you can take 15 pictures and pick the best one. Um, but then it's a little contrived. It's like not, it's not an actual moment in time. It's like your version of that moment in time. But with uh, a Polaroid, you just take that picture um, and it's, it is what it is. It's that moment captured, whether somebody's, you know, smiling perfectly or they got their eyes closed or whatever is going on, it's happened. And I take the picture with the Polaroid and then, um, I try to write the picture. Like I'll just try to explain the context of that picture. And, um, so that's, that could be a vignette in and of itself. It's just, Hey, Tell me the concept. Who, who's in Who's in this picture? What's the moment? What's the feeling of this picture right now? Put it into words. Um, that's the exercise that I like to do to kind of like get, get my brain thinking in vignettes. Dude, I think I just went away for a minute because I'm just imagining doing that and I'm so excited by that. that I'm <laughs> either going to go steal my son's Polaroid or I'm going to get myself one <laughs> just so I can do that. That's awesome. It's an amazing tool. It's an amazing tool, and it's a it's a fun it's a fun practice because you're a little bit out of control. You know, you don't have full control over the picture, and um, so you it's like it's that randomness that creates like those cool moments, those cool situations. Yeah, and Polaroids are funny because you can think you know what you're taking a picture of, and then it comes out, and you're like, "Wow, that's not at all what I thought that mm -hmm. was going to look like." Right. Right. Yeah. That's it's cool. only half my face or something. Right. <laughs> yes. We we just had uh we have a habit of getting for like birthdays or special occasions we'll get a disposable camera. And we actually had uh three four disposable cameras and we just never took them in. So we finally took them all in. So it's like like 80 pictures or something over a year and a half or something. And like a third of them are just complete trash. Right. Like they're either the lighting is terrible or it's like completely off of everyone's face, you know? And so that was kind of sad, but also you get these incredible snapshots of moments a year ago yes. that are like really special to you, a birthday party or, you know, went to Capri Island and like had a good time. Um, so that, I mean, Bill, yeah, I, we should do this. You and I should, 
Yeah, no, I totally do this. I I think we just totally changed what this episode is about. It's about (laughs) Polaroids and vignettes. It's fantastic, man. Well, Eddie, look at that. You just taught us something. Thank you. Hey, you got it. It's my pleasure. I love I love spreading these little things around because they seem so they seem so small. Like these practices seem so small and so insignificant, but um, you know they can spark they can spark really. big things, you know, new, uh, new, new, uh, you know, just practices that, that, that kind of like you can do every day and then they become part of your routine, you know? Well, we can all, we can all afford to be better storytellers, have different, like new, like flex our perspective muscle, Mm -hmm. seeing things from a different perspective, writing, uh, communicating, and then just the creative muscle as well. Like we all have to have an outlet for that. So yeah, I'm definitely adding this to my tool belt. But I'll tell you what, Miles, those, those pictures that you said, like a lot of them are trash. I bet you, you know, you, you go, you go a few years and you look back at them. And um, at least for me, I know that a lot of like the, the pictures that I cherished the most uh, were the ones that I took and was like, oh, this <laughs> this one really sucks. Uh, like, there's this one picture that I love of like me and my dad standing, um, and he's like yawning in the picture, and it's just like <laughs> on its face, it's a horrible picture. But uh, in the moment, um, you know, looking back at it, I remember that moment. And I remember, I remember what it signified, what it meant, um, and the story that was in it for me. And it was a great picture, you know. So I never, I never regret. Um, taking bad pictures. I, I very rarely delete pictures. Um, because in my experience, the more time that elapses, the more time that passes between those pictures, um, the, the more I, the more I seem to care about them and the more they resonate, you know? Right. That's cool. Yeah. I could see that happening for sure. All right. So, I know you're you're working to productize this amazing newsletter that you have already built, and I'm pretty sure that you just released a course. I did. I, I released a course uh, last week, and um, like I said, I, f- I feel very light now because it's it was a <laughs> it was a lot of effort uh, and it was a lot of time, and and um, so now I'm 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 generally feeling uh, um, feeling light. Can you tell us a little bit about the course? Well, the course uh, is really my process for creating landing pages, which is, um, you know, what most companies hire me to do. Um, when I was working at G2, the, the vast majority of my my responsibilities was creating landing pages and corresponding email sequences uh, for um, information products, knowledge products, you know, G2 would hold a webinar or G2 had this ebook that it was, that it was, uh, uh, promoting, or there was, uh, articles on the blog. Um, you know, I was, I was always tasked with creating landing pages that, uh, put that, uh, created a selling message for those, for those assets. Um, so this is my, this is my, uh, so I just, I, I was very thoughtful about my process and, and how I went about it. And, uh, you know, I did my best to record it and, um, break it down and make it as digestible as possible for folks. And, uh, then I put it, um, into, 
into a course. And I, I did it kind of in the same in the same vein as as my articles. The course has like um, it's got nine modules, but it's got eighty six um, like video lessons. But they're all very short. I think the shortest one's like thirty seconds, and the longest one's like five minutes. So it's very kind of snappy. And uh, yeah, I just try to walk people through uh, my landing page process using a single example, a single point of reference. So I created a landing page. And I just walk every, I just walk you through all of the elements on the landing page and explain it that way. Oh man, that's awesome. That's like right up my alley too. I've built so many landing pages in my day. So I want to, I'd love to check it out and see what I can learn. Cause I mean, I think it all comes down. Bill and I talk about this a lot. Process. What's your process? Cause without that, you're reinventing it. It's a mess. You're kind of like starting from scratch every time. There's really no science to it. Um, so yeah, that's that's really cool. Uh, congrats on finishing that. It's a big feat. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you for bringing it up and letting me plug it. <laughs> appreciate it. <laughs> Heck yeah. Of course. Um, we always ask this. Yeah. And I'm really wondering now, do you consider yourself more of an introvert or an extrovert? Oh, um, I, th- I think I'm uh, I think I'm more introverted um, than extroverted, but you know it's uh, naturally you know like I like I guess if you like boil it down to like where do you get your energy from? I think I get most of my energy from like being with myself and with my own thoughts uh, rather than being from other people. So on its face, maybe uh, maybe that's how I would uh, um, that's how I would describe myself. But I, you know I, I still I still love being social and I still love being around people and having conversations. Um, I think it's just, a, um, you know, that's something that I've just kind of like taught myself o- over the years, you know, get out of your head a little bit more, you know, not, a, you know, not everybody's, <laughs> it's not, not everybody's looking at you and, and, you know, uh, and, and, and thinking about you, you know, I think that's, that's kind of like, uh, the, the, the process that a lot of people like go through. Um, so I just, I just try to, I've just, uh, over, over the years, I've kind of tried to like, uh, you know, approach it that way. Yeah, we, I can definitely relate to that. Kind of like the ambivert where you're right, kind of in the middle. Like if I'm too, uh, if I'm too introverted for too long, I, I have to get out. I have to like go socialize and be around people. Um, so I am energized by that to an extent, but then I'm also quickly, drained from that if it goes too long or if it's the wrong context and so it's definitely a muscle that that uh i think like you said you kind of have to teach it yourself sometimes yeah. but it's it's valuable well look it's like you know if you're around the wrong people or around people that you don't mm. want to be around you're going to be drained whether you're an extrovert or an introvert <laughs> anyway right. you, know? Well like said. I, you know if i if I'm around my buddies or if I'm around my, my friends or my family, people that love me, I love them. Um, you know, it takes me a, a longer to, to feel tired, you know? Um, but if I go to like a, a conference or something and, you know, I'm having, um, maybe the same conversation over and over again, or, you know, I'm, I'm a lot of small talk, you know, I, I think that's, I think that's draining for, for anybody. So I, I try not to think of it in such binary terms, um, even though, uh, 
even though I, I realize that, that, you know, that that's how a lot of people see it. Well, I'm curious. Um, you probably have a, a lot going on in your world uh, or in your head or and you've done a lot of cool things. <laughs> what I'm what I'm trying to say, <laughs> what I'm trying to say, if I can get out of my own head, is uh, what other is there anything else that you're excited about working on? Any new projects or anything you want to do in the in the not so distant future? Or like, are you excited about AI at all? Like, where are you kind of exploring in the near future? Well, I, I'd like to um, I'd like to put all of these articles. Well, first I'd like to edit my library basically and, you know, edit all the articles that I've written with the benefit of everything that I've learned over the years and, and, um, just update all of the, all of the work and, you know, organize it into a book. Um, but I think that's where a lot of my, uh, effort is going. And, um, you know, I think that the, some, that's something that the course has, has kind of, uh, allowed me to do, I think. I'm very grateful for that. You know, it's just given me a little bit more time to kind of focus on, on that. Uh, so that's, I look forward yeah. to that. Yeah, me too. Well, I'll send, I'll send you guys a copy. I, I, again, I appreciate, I appreciate all these softballs. Well, let's do one more. So <laughs> when people want, where do you want people to go to find you, to find the new course, to find what you're up to? I know oh. the answer, but I want you to say it. Sure, sure. So verygoodcopy.com is home base. So if you go there, you'll find uh, all of my articles. Um, there's over 300 articles, that probably, you know, probably 75 or so interviews with folks. Um, if you subscribe to the blog, you'll get six um, what I call micro courses, which are just a little bit more in-depth and prescriptive uh, courses on on creativity and copywriting. So all of those free resources are there, and then uh, obviously the uh, there's a uh, you know a tab there with a link to the to the landing page course as well, which is by far the the uh, the the most prescriptive thing I've ever made. Probably my best work so far, and, and um, you know perfect for anybody that's uh, selling content in any form, knowledge in any form on the internet. Nice. Yeah. And I can, I can attest, uh, that's how I found you is through the newsletter. I was, I was sucked into that growth loop and, uh, (laughs) and I love it and it's so valuable and I love your writing style. It's very, I mean, just like it should be, it's very simple. It's very concise. And I love the micro, uh, content that you create too. It's like, yeah, you have 300 articles, but you know, a lot of that is really short, concise and potent. So you don't have to spend, you know, a lot of time like trying to un- unravel it. Um, so yeah, I can't recommend that enough. It's awesome. Oh, Miles, thank you very much. It, me- it means a lot uh, hearing that type of feedback from uh, other creative folks and, and other people that are that are making things and putting stuff out there. So I appreciate it very much. Man, I can't thank you enough for hanging out with us. I feel like I'm I need to go uh, buy a Polaroid now. So. <laughs> yeah, well, Bill, thank you for having me on here. You guys, I, I, I don't want it to end. So um, I guess maybe that's a good place to, to leave it when you don't want it to end. That's good. And and uh, we'll have you back, you know, when that book comes out and, uh, and we can talk about that. All right. Well, I appreciate it again. Thank you all.
Thanks for listening today. We can't do this without the support of our listeners. So please leave us a review or sign up for our newsletter at subtleartofnotyelling.com.